Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. This is a family service this morning. I decided to preach a message that will impact every age group in your family. And since we are halfway between Mother's Day and Father's Day, I thought, well, let's do a combined Mother's Day, Father's Day message on Memorial Day weekend, how to make your mom and dad glad. Now, I need a show of hands. Are there any children in the building? Children, show of hands. Uh, Yes, thank you. Come on. Are there any children in the building? Some of you are getting the question. Children in the building. Chad, you are a child. Hand up, please. Thank you. Any children in the building? Yeah, we're all children. We are all children. We all have or have had moms or dads. And so I'm going to talk to everybody this morning about how to make mom and dad glad. Now, I need everyone's attention for a second because about two-thirds of the way through this message, I'm going to shift a little bit, and I'm going to answer this, that it may go well with you. This has been on my heart all morning long. There are some people, there are some people at home right now or watching on demand. It's not going well with you right now. Something in your life, maybe your entire life, you're going to say, it's not going well with me. I don't know if there's anybody in the building like this. I expect that at least in some area of your life, some of you, it is not going well with you. Now, I'm not going to answer everything that could possibly cause your life not to go well with you. But I am going to talk about one thing, and it may be a surprising thing. And it may be the thing that has caused your life to end in a place where you would say this morning, it's not going well. So this morning we're going to start with a few verses in the book of Proverbs. If you'd like to look in your own Bibles, it is Proverbs chapter 23, verses 22 through 25. They will be on the screen, but um, I'm going to read them from my Bible. These verses were written by a father to his children. And his purpose was to help his children learn how to successfully live life and how to please God. Solomon wrote this portion of the book of Proverbs. He wrote most of Proverbs, but especially this portion. And he wrote them to his children so his children could learn how to live correctly. But please understand this. He was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and so these verses were also written to all of God's children by our Heavenly Father that we would know how to live right and how to please God. So follow along. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning, starting in verse 22 of Proverbs 23. Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. Get the truth and never sell it. Actually, the Hebrew says buy the truth there. Um, And I'll talk more about why the word is buy 
and, uh, but it's translated get in the New Living. Other translations actually translate it literally as buy. Buy the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So here's where I got my title. So give your father and mother joy, or make your mom and dad glad, and may she who gave you birth be happy. Now, I need a little participation this morning, and I want everyone to repeat after me this phrase, I want to make mom and dad glad. Ready? Here we go. I want to make mom and dad glad. Now, I heard most of the adults, but I don't know that the children participated. So if you, well, the younger children, we're all children. Younger children and teens, I need you to participate just as well as the adults are participating. And even if you're alone at home, why don't you participate too? Here we go. I want, ready? I want to make mom and dad glad. So let's find out how we can make mom and dad glad. Now, before I go through my points, and there is a note cheat this morning, before I go through my points, I want to say this. I know that maybe you live in a situation where there's only maybe a mom or only maybe a dad or you have step parents or foster parents or something like that. Still, what I'm going to talk about, you apply this to your own life situation, but I'm going to be just talking about making mom and dad glad, but you're smart folks and you can apply it to your context. So as a child, whatever the situation you live in, you can apply these. Here we go. Six things to help us make mom and dad glad. First thing, verse 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life. Would you say, listen to your parents, listen to mom and dad. Hear what they have to say and then obey them. See, God has given the parents the responsibility of teaching and training and disciplining you and do not, do. I'm just getting ahead of myself here. Do you think listening to your parents would make mom and dad glad? Yes or no? Teenagers, I got some teenagers here, got a few children scattered out there. Do you think listening to mom and dad would make them glad? Teenagers? Yes, that is correct. So if you want to make mom and dad glad, listen to them. Number two, do not despise them when they are old. Also in verse 22, listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when, they, when she is old. Don't despise your father when he is old either. Don't despise your parents when they are old. Despise means to hate them, to have nothing to do with them, to ridicule, to make fun of behind their backs. Now, I want you to think for a second. Look up here for a second. If the parents are old, you're not supposed to despise them when they are old. This means that you are older and not a small child any longer. This part is for you teens it's for you young adults. It's for you older adults who still have living parents. Do you want to make mom and dad glad? Don't despise them when they are old. Don't ridicule them. Don't make fun of them behind their backs. How do you make mom and dad glad? You listen to them and obey them. You do not despise them when they are old. Number three, you buy truth. The Hebrew word is kanah, 
It means to buy. New Living says get truth. You need to buy truth and not sell it. Listen to the way the New King James says this. This is actually a better translation of this verse. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. What the author is saying is you need to buy truth and you need to buy wisdom and instruction and understanding. So what does this mean to buy? To buy the truth means to acquire it to buy it, to possess it, to get it. It means to work hard to get it. Here's the thing. You work hard to get something you value. So the essence of this is you need to value truth and work hard to get truth. So what is truth? See, there's a lot of things people say are true, but what is truth? Truth is that foundational truth. Let me tell you where truth is. Let me tell you what you need to work hard to possess, what you need work hard to value. This is truth. It is the word of God. If you are not valuing God's word, if you are not working hard to get it into your heart, there's a verse of scripture that says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee from the 119th Psalm. God's word. If you want to make your mom and dad glad, you need to value truth. You need to work to possess truth. That means you need to spend time in God's word so that truth can get inside of you. Work hard to acquire and possess what God says is true and right and then obey it. And This isn't just for younger children. This is for all of us. Throughout our entire lives, we should be working to possess the truth. Not only are we to buy truth, we're also to, the next one, buy wisdom. Truth is knowing what is true and right. Truth is knowing what God says. Wisdom is knowing how to apply or live by what is true and right. The Word of God talks about relationships. Wisdom knows how to apply God's Word to relationships. The Word of God talks about how you um, work on the job. Wisdom is how do I work in this job and in this situation. Wisdom is knowing how to apply and live by what is true and right. And sometimes the question is not whether something is right or wrong. It takes wisdom to know what to choose between two good things. Is it wise for me to replace my car with a newer model? Or my phone with a newer model? Is that wise? An older car or a new car or an older phone or a new car? Neither one is good nor bad necessarily. But is it wise? Is it wise to take a vacation? Or would the wise thing to do be to replace the windows of your house? Is it wise for you to keep your current job? Or to take a different job that requires relocation? What's the wise thing to do? That's why you should work to possess, to buy wisdom. In Andy Stanley's book, The Best Question Ever, here are some helpful questions to help you in acquiring wisdom. In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Look at that again. You've got a decision to make. This isn't about right or wrong. It's not, should, should I steal that or not steal that is not a wise decision. That's a right or wrong decision. That's a truth decision. But should I take this job or keep this job? Should I purchase this or purchase that? 
So in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So think of that. Think of that thing that you are trying to make a decision about. What if you applied these questions to it? Would you then begin to discover what the wise thing to do was? Let me share a personal illustration. Back before I was in ministry, many of you know I used to work in television production, and Sherry and I were working in western Kansas in a small market television station. I was production manager, and I was being recruited by a television station in El Paso, Texas, to be their production manager. About nine months to a year before, they had flown me down, and I had seen the station, I had talked to the station manager, looked the place over, and then crickets. They weren't ready to make a move. And so I just thought, okay, I'm just not right for the position. Then out of the blue, I get a phone call asking me to come down once again and basically saying, if you come down, you've got the job. Out of the blue. Sherry and I needed to think hard about whether we wanted to make this move. A year previous, I'd have gone at an instant, but let me explain. Now, we didn't use these questions specifically, but we basically walked through a process just like this. So in light of my past experiences, I'd be good at that job. Sherry's family lived in El Paso. That would be good for our family relationships because instead of us having to drive 15 to 16 hours for our kids to see the grandkids and, I mean, for kids to see their grandparents, to see their cousins and their uncles and their aunts down in El Paso, that would be good for us. It also had a good salary and benefit package, better than what I had. And it would have been very good for my career moving from a small market station to a much larger market station. In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, we had two kids at that time. We were young. Neither of them was in school. So we could move rather uh, quickly without those kind of attachments. We were part of a wonderful church and we had wonderful friendships, but there was no real formal attachments there beyond my job. Uh, the friend of mine who had left my current station and gone to that El Paso station, he was the one that recommended me from the job. Um, if I didn't take it, it would be a disappointment for him and also possibly make him look bad. So in light of my current circumstances, it seemed like it was going to be a good move. In light of my future hopes and dreams, and this is where it changed a bit, because over the past few months before this phone call came, God had called us into ministry. We were not yet pastoring, but we knew we would be transitioning. We knew we would be leaving television and moving into ministry at some point. I had already spoken to the Kansas district about credentialing, and that was in the works. And now, in light of our future hopes and dreams... I had connections with the Kansas district. I knew, no one, no, I knew no one in the South Texas district. And if we moved to advance my career in television, would it somehow impact us moving forward in ministry? So this is where the rubber met the road. In light of my future hopes and dreams, should we go to South Texas, advance my career in television, continue to try and pursue ministry, get the ministry credentials, and then move into ministry, or should we stay put? 
In light of my past experiences, I was a good fit for the job. I had already um, applied for it, had already interviewed for it, saw that I could do the job. In light of my current circumstances, we could move relatively easily. It would be a better salary. Those type of things would look good. But in light of my future hopes and dreams, Sherry and I decided it wasn't the wise thing to do. It was better to stay where we were and to continue the process of moving into ministry. And within the next six to eight months, we took our first church bivocationally. So I, I still worked for that small TV station. And then on the weekends, we drove to a small community and we pastored a church. And then we came back after 18 months of doing that on the weekends. Uh, we resigned that church, went on staff at our local church part-time bivocationally. And then finally, God opened the door for us to plant in 1992 the Marysville Church. What was the wise thing to do? Well, neither of the decisions was either right or wrong, but what was wise? And the, the key was, in light of my future, in light of our future hopes and dreams. So how do you make mom and dad glad? You listen to them. You do not despise them when they are old. You buy truth. You buy wisdom. Number five, also in verse 23, you buy discipline. Buy the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Now, some of you are probably saying, no way am I going to work hard to acquire and possess discipline. Discipline is not a fun word in our culture. Fun is the fun word in our culture. But let me tell you something about discipline. If you do not work hard to acquire, to possess, to buy discipline, you are setting yourself up to live as a fool. Children, regular children, older children that can understand, children that are over there, teenagers here, if you do not work hard to buy and possess and acquire discipline, you are setting yourselves up to live as fools. You say, well, I don't understand how that works. Let me give you a little bit of a definition of discipline and some examples. A disciplined person is a man or woman with self-control. And they are focused. They know how to say no to themselves and also when to say yes to themselves. And you gain this discipline through instruction, correction, and even punishment. Now think about this. Athletes on a winning team are disciplined athletes. People who make the best citizens and the best neighbors are self-controlled and disciplined. Listen to me. Listen to me, teenagers. Jails are rarely filled with men and women who work hard to acquire and possess truth, wisdom, and discipline. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jails are rarely filled with men and women who work hard to possess wisdom, truth, and discipline. You want to make mom and dad glad? You want to make your heavenly father glad? You want to set your life up for success? Then follow what Solomon has to say, go after and embrace instruction, correction, and even punishment. And where do you find it? Especially when you're a child, most often from older, wiser people, your parents. And hopefully they are also wise individuals. Number six, to buy discipline, you're also to buy good judgment. Not everything is going to be clearly black and white, right or wrong, so you're going to need to have good judgment. These all kind of fit together, and they kind of combine. It takes good judgment to know the wise thing to do, and it takes hard work to be a person 
of good judgment. Now, parents, I want you to think for a second. Look at me, and I'm going to have you respond and answer. If you're watching online, you can respond and answer too. If you have a child that listens to you, doesn't despise you or ridicule you, works hard to acquire truth, wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Now, parents, would this make you glad? Of course. In fact, verses 24 and 25 of Proverbs say this. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So give joy to your father and mother, and may she who gave you birth be happy. What saddens me as a pastor, what saddens me as just a man and just as a person is the amount of children that don't make their moms and dads glad, but they make their moms and dads sad. The parents worry, they're concerned, they cry themselves to sleep. If you would only do these six things, only these six things, Listen to them. Don't despise them. By wisdom and truth and discipline and good instruction. Good judgment, excuse me. You will make your mom and dad glad. So, children under the, uh, from sixth grade on down, I need you to answer this question. Children from sixth grade on down, you don't have to answer it out loud, but I want to ask you a question. Are you making your mom and dad glad? Children from sixth grade on down, are you making your mom and dad glad? Are you listening to them? Are you working hard to acquire and possess truth, wisdom, discipline, and good judgment? And are you not despising them? If you're under the age of 25 this morning and teenagers, you fall in this category, teens and young adults, answer this question in your head. Are you making your mom and dad glad? Are you, not your friends, are you making your mom and dad glad? Are you listening to them? You're living in their home, especially if you're living in their home. Are you not despising them because they're older than you? Are you working hard to acquire and possess truth, wisdom, discipline, and good judgment? Are you making mom and dad glad. Adults with living parents. So teenagers, now you can look at your moms and your dads if their moms and dads are still around and you can say, aha, now it's their turn. Adults, are you making your mom and dad glad? You still listen to them. Do you not despise them and ridicule them and make fun of them behind their back? And are you still working hard to acquire and possess truth, wisdom, discipline, and good judgment? Doing these things as an adult will continue to make your mom and dad glad, but listen, it will also make your heavenly father glad. Adults, think about it. With this Criteria, just six things. Are you making your mom and dad 
who are living glad. Now I'm going to switch gears. I told you about two-thirds of the way through my message, I'm going to switch gears. And I'll be real honest, I'm going to do some meddling. You say, well, what were you doing already? Oh, that was minor. We're going to do some big meddling here. And it's important that I do this because now we're going to come to the part of the message that I feel is, is a real heart for some people. Maybe not everyone here, but for some people and maybe for some at home. And that is, why is it not going well with you? Why is it not going well with you? In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading from the New International Version. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment. Listen what it says here. It's the first commandment with a promise. If you go back to the Old Testament and you look at the Ten Commandments and you get to this commandment, it is the only commandment, the first one that has a promise attached to it. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Here it is. So that it may go well with you. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The phrase that it may go well with you means that you will be well off, that you will fare well, and that you will prosper. Please hear what I'm going to say, not just from the Word of God, but from the prompting of the Holy Spirit. There are some of you where there are parts of your life that it is not going well, and the reason it is not going well is because of the way you are treating your parents. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you do what it says, then God promises that it will go well with you and that you will enjoy long life on the earth. Two ways of interpreting that. If you're not properly honoring your parents, your life could be shortened, or you could take the word enjoy, your time on the earth will be far less enjoyable. I'm, I'm really going to... I'm really going to meddle for a second. Children that are living at home, the younger children, you will have less of a problem with this at this point because your parents are still bigger than you. So I'm going to talk to those who you're bigger than your parents or you will be bigger than your parents at some point. I'm going to talk to teens and young adults right now. I've already talked to you. Teens and young adults, if you are not obeying and honoring your father and your mother, it will not go well with you in areas of your life. Listen, some of you, today we honored graduates. We, we've honored you. You finished your high school education. Some of you are going on. You want life to go well with you. And there are other things that you can do. But please, don't open the door for things to not go well with you because of the way that you treat your parents. And you would say, oh, Pastor Rick, I don't know who's thinking this right now, so don't look me in the eye. My parents are idiots, and my life is fine. How do I know some of you are thinking that? Because if I was in your seat, I'd be thinking the same thing, because I was a teenager once, and I did not follow this. I didn't. I didn't. There were times I despised my parents. I didn't obey them. I ridiculed them. I talked behind their backs. Sometimes I talked in front of their face. 
I rolled my eyes. And sometimes I chose my own way. I wasn't seeking truth, wisdom, discipline, or good judgment. I disrespected them and I ridiculed them. And there was a season in my life it didn't go well with me. And I'll talk to you about how that changed. Okay, I have a side note here. If you are single and you are dating or you hope to be dating, listen, do not disrespect, despise, or ridicule the parents of your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your fiancé. But you might say, but they're idiots. I'm not going to disagree with that statement, but they can be idiots and you can still honor them. First of all, stop calling them idiots. That'll help. Now, again, back to those of you that are single. As you're in relationship, if your girlfriend or boyfriend or fiancé consistently disrespects, despises, and ridicules their parents... You are dating someone who disrespects, despises, ridicules their parents. Red flags, red flags, red flags. Warning, Will Robinson, warning. As some of you caught that, thank you. I'm glad there's somebody old enough to remember Lost in Space. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. You don't know how big this is. You don't know how big this is. To partner with someone who despises, ridicules, and disrespects their parents. Step back. Reevaluate if you want to be joined to someone. And hear this, hear what I'm saying. If you want to be joined to someone who is setting up their life that God says for them, it's not going to go well with them. You're going to marry someone, you're going to partner with someone, you're going to do life with someone who is setting up their life for God to say, it's not going to go well with them. I can't bless that. Oh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I think it is. I think it is. I told you a little bit about my teenage years. This was, I, I was a churchgoer. I had heard the Bible, but I was not a follower of Jesus Christ. And I became a follower of Jesus Christ in my early 20s. I began to go to a church that not only told me about my need for a personal relationship with Jesus, they began to teach me the Word of God. I don't know when it happened. I just remember one day. The discussion took place probably prompted by a pastor's sermon about keeping relationships right with your parents. And as I began to evaluate my own life, as I began to look at my disobedience, my disrespect, my ridicule, the way that I engaged with my parents, I realized that growing up, I didn't do very well. Now, it was before I knew Jesus, and so it was now forgiven. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let this go. And I'm not sure exactly who prompted this, if it was prompted in a message, but let me tell you what I had to do as a young adult. I had to drive back to my parents' house. I called them, told them I was coming, told them I wanted to talk to them. Now, when parents have a child call that you want to talk to them, I'm sure my parents' brains went in seven different directions. 
I was about 30 minutes away from where my parents lived. I came home, said hello. We were on the back porch of my parents' house. I said, Mom and Dad, as a teenager, I just want to tell you, I, 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 you know, I was not the best son. I was disobedient. I was disrespectful. I did this. I did other things. I want to tell you, I am sorry. And I want to ask you to forgive me for the way I treated you as a teenager and even as a young adult. I said, I've opened my heart to Jesus. They knew about that. And I said, I just feel that it's very important. Of course, I don't think this is what they were expecting, and they were a little bit taken aback by this. And they said, listen, no, we understand. I said, no, I, I, I really want you to forgive me. And they say, Rick, we do forgive you. I said, well, thank you. Because I've realized how poorly I treated you as a son during those years. I can't put two and two together, but there was a period right in there where I really felt my life began to turn around. Now, Jesus was blessing me, and there were good things happening in my life, but there were parts of my life where it still wasn't going well with me because I had dishonored my father and mother. I had disobeyed my father and mother. I had disrespected my father and my mother. oftentimes would speak poorly of them in the hearing of my friends, and we would laugh. And then they would tell things about their parents. But after I came to know Jesus Christ, I realized that I needed to make it right. I'm not even sure I was fully aware of the promise at that point, but it does say very clearly in Ephesians, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Teenagers, young adults, are you honoring your father and mother? And if not, and they are alive, may I strongly encourage you to repent and ask for forgiveness. Now, teenagers, you're off the hook. I stopped meddling with you. Okay, go. <gasps> now for you adults. Are you honoring father and mother? You say, yeah, but if you knew my father, you knew my mother. I understand. But you can still honor someone. Because some of you, it's not going well with you. Because of the way that you have dishonored, disrespected, ridiculed your parents. And may I encourage you, strongly encourage you, if the Holy Spirit points this out to you, which she's possibly doing even right now, if he is, to repent. 
Now, in every family structure, in every family system, there are those stories that we tell, that we laugh about. I mean, my parents have messed up and screwed up. My kids laugh at some of the stuff that I have done or that we have done. I mean, those are, those are, those are different than disrespecting, although it can easily move that direction. When the story causes embarrassment, when the story causes someone to get really quiet and not join into the laughter, you've probably crossed from humor to disrespect. It's possible, and I really, really feel that the Holy Spirit wanted me to say this and to someone at home or someone here. It's not going well with some people, not everyone, who had things not going well, but it's not going well with some people because of the way you're disrespecting your parents. Teenagers, young adults, but older adults with living parents. And it may be necessary for some of you to take a moment with your parents and say, you know what? I am sorry for the way that I have been treating you. Now, I need to talk to you that have older parents that you are becoming or will become the caregiver for because this is where it gets really tough. Over the past few years, many of you knew that my mom got to the point where we needed to make the tough calls and the tough decisions, and she fought us every step of the way. Every step of the way. She wanted to remain in her home. It was impossible for her to remain in her home without caregivers living with her. She wouldn't have that. She physically had had an injury and then an illness. We made the tough decision, and this was really hard to remain honoring and respectful when she has now taken the role of the teenager or the child and is in your face. We made the decision to put her, not put her, to rent for her a senior living apartment, not a nursing home, a senior living apartment. So when she left the hospital and the rehab, we moved her up there. Again, she fought us tooth and nail, but she wasn't driving at that time, although still had her driver's license, so she, if she had a car, she might have tried to come home. Um, and she lived up there until she passed away last summer. Still insisting she's moving back home. Still challenging me when we were able to speak on the phone as to when you get me out of here, I've been here long enough. I don't want to spend this money. We're spending too much money. I've got a perfectly good home. I'm perfectly able to take care of myself. If you are in the situation, I couldn't have spoken this way to you even five years ago, certainly not 10. If you are in this situation where you are now the primary decision-maker caregiver for an elderly parent, you can still honor them, but there are times you're just going to have to tell them what to do. And that's still honoring, because ultimately you're doing for, for them what's best. My sisters and I could have thrown up our hands, and there were days we felt like doing it. And just said, sure, we'll go back home and let you figure it out. 
That's how frustrating it is. But we didn't. And so if you're in that situation, which is a difficult situation, the Holy Spirit will guide you and help you to remain honoring when you have to make very, very difficult decisions regarding the health of one or both of your parents. When I was that young adult in my 20s and I went and apologized to my parents and tried from then on to honor and respect and not ridicule them, one of the reasons I did it was, number one, God said to, but I wanted things to go well for me. I wanted to be well off, I wanted to fare well, and I wanted to prosper, and I wanted to enjoy long life on the earth. May I encourage you, if things are not going well with you, maybe the Holy Spirit will show you today that one of the reasons it's not going well with you is the manner in which you are treating your parents. You say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm kind of really convicted by this. My parents are dead. I still believe that a recognition of this, a repentance to the Lord, asking Him for forgiveness, and then for the rest of your life, when you think of your parents, that you work hard to honor them and not despise them. And I understand that some of you probably were raised in homes where you say there isn't anything worth honoring. Let the Holy Spirit help you. There was a phrase I was taught as a kid. If you can't say anything good about someone, then don't say anything. So maybe you have to go there. Don't think anything about your parents. Don't say anything about them. They gave you life. That's worth honoring. They raised you somewhat. Maybe you were raised in foster care. But they gave you life. It may be that the best thing for you to do is to say nothing. Let God handle it. Once again, Proverbs verses 24 and 25 of chapter 23. The father of godly children is cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So give your father and mother joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. Would you bow in prayer? Father, I don't know where this is going to land with everyone, but Holy Spirit, speak individually to those that are here, those that are watching. If they're not walking in obedience to this passage of Scripture, that they begin to change. Father, I desire that this would not keep anyone in this church from life going well with them or for them because of the way that they are treating father or mother. And so I pray that you speak to each and every one of us that we may deal, if necessary, with these things. For we want to walk. I desire for this church to walk fully in your blessings. That everyone here, it may be well with them and that they may enjoy long life on the earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you all today. Uh, team, go ahead and make your way up to the platform. 
You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.